your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 437 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains following an Ottawa Senators loss. But they got to play their first game in eight days. However, in Denver, the Colorado Avalanche leave with a 7-5 victory. Entertaining, yes, but costly, fixable errors were the difference. We'll get into a full recap of another high-scoring game that went against the Senators. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, November 23rd in Pilsy. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Ottawa Senators should have won that game last night. There was a possibility for them to win that game, which, yeah, like you said, it's crazy to think about when you're looking at a bottom feeder team, 32nd out of 32nd, just telling it like it is, going up against a powerhouse team, and the Sens had been off for over a week due to COVID postponed games. The Avalanche outshot them 40-21. to 21. The Corsi numbers were in favor of the Avalanche 66% to 33%. And the Senators, score-wise, were right with the Avalanche right up until the end of that game. Well, I say should have won the game. Yeah, when you mentioned the shots, and there was a stretch the second period where the shots oh were 17 nothing for the Colorado Avalanche. 17 Nothing. They end up finishing that period. I believe it was 21 to 4, if I'm not mistaken, but 19 to 4. So don't give them more credit than they need. Trust me, they do not need it. But when you have two separate third period leads, you have to be able to hang on. And we talked about it yesterday. Gas was going to be an issue. High altitude, off for eight days, and it didn't get any easier as we'll kind of go through this chronologically now where Josh Brown and say what you want about him and we'll get into his play on the first goal but he only ends up playing two minutes and 30 seconds in this game due to injury just how crucial is it to keep six defensemen when you're already shorthanded and in high altitude as we discussed like going down to 5d for the whole game that's got to be you know just the worst possible outcome for the first five minutes of the game yeah, I mean, the hockey gods just cursing the Sens once more. It's just another smite to uh, the fans and the team here. But <laughs> if you're Lassie Thompson, this is just old hat for you. Doesn't it seem like every game Lassie Thompson's playing, a defenseman goes down and he has to end up playing uh, a bunch of minutes here. And he ends up playing really well. He was, other than Thomas Shabbat, I would say he was one of the best defensemen out there. So yep. credit to Lassie Thompson for being able to elevate his game and kind of cover up for some of those um I was gonna say mistakes it's not a mistake but some of the the tough situations he's put in there and look I hate to say this too but maybe a little uh addition by subtraction there with Josh Brown being out of the game for a while there because he only played a couple minutes but in that couple minutes he was a big part of why that first goal happened 50 seconds into the game 
Yeah, and with Josh Brown, we do hope he gets well soon. But DJ Smith said that he will most likely miss an extended period of time. I was out for dinner. I got back home. I was walking up from the car, and I turned to my girlfriend, and I said, I have a feeling the Sens are going to be losing one nothing when we get in. And it was about 7.40 p.m. Central Time, so the game had started two minutes earlier, and <laughs> I was right. So, Pilsy, since I was walking upstairs, I did see the goal, but take us through it for me. Well, I don't like basically it was just Josh Brown was behind the net and he tries to make a, a pass. I'm, I forget who the guy was, but over to another player and it gets picked off. Then the Avalanche are in attack mode, right? They've got the puck. They're hungry. And this goal was weird because it goes through the crease twice behind yeah. Gustafson. Like, um, I think it was uh, Burakovsky sends it over to Kadri, who has a wide open net behind Gustafson. All he has to do is put it in and he sends it back through the crease. Where Nchuskin, that's the easiest goal you're going to score there. And uh, the Sens aren't able to catch up to that kind of bang-bang, tic-tac-toe play. And that's how quick it happens when you're in Colorado and they have the the home team advantage. They're used to the altitude. They got the crowd going crazy. So that was a quick one nothing uh, deficit that the Sens, unfortunately, have to go for. And Ross, that was your key to the game. Don't let that happen. You gave him, you gave him don't let it happen in the first 10 minutes. It happened in the first minute. Yep, it did. But what what was Josh Norris doing, putting that where he did for Josh Brown? He It was almost like he could have broken it out, and yeah, there was a four-checker on him. I think it was Nikushkin. But Josh Brown is standing right in front of the net with an, a four-checker on him, and Norris kind of puts like this weird, soft pass down to him, and I think he really put Josh Brown in a bad position there. That being said, once Josh Brown pivots – he has an opportunity because Norris kind of then becomes the outlet man, goes to the far yeah. boards, and if if Josh Brown pivots and just rings it around the boards, easy breakout, bang, bang, you're on the four check. But instead, he thinks that he's Bobby Orr back there. He's going to dangle three or four guys, and next thing you know, bingo, bango, bongo, it's yeah. in the back of the net. But what can you say about the Sens' resolve? Because I – and you were agreeing with me yesterday – that if they let in one early, the floodgates could open. But credit to this team for getting right back on the offensive. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that uh, I thought the Sens did really well in this game is they didn't kind of hang their heads. And and they could have. Like, they were getting dominated with puck possession. But score-wise, they were able to hang tight here. And Gustafson was a big part of that. He made a couple of really good saves. And I think... Man, Zach Sanford has really turned things around here. Like, uh, that's sort of the season we were desperately trying to find things about him that we could even just compliment just or even talk about no talk about yeah exactly yeah like there was just nothing happening but now he's finally settling in here I think he's starting to buy into DJ's system he's starting to get used in in better areas and that shot for his first goal oh my god just rips it top cheese on no that was the second one you gotta get through the first goal was Latin that's why I forgot that that was his first goal because uh the whole Lassie's uh first NHL goal I I knew that that was tipped right away but everyone was saying it was Lassie's first goal so nobody wants to take it from him right exactly yeah but then when Tamford got his third he's like no no that was yeah (laughs) yeah actually let's make sure the the record shows so yeah, yeah sorry about that I was jumping ahead a little there so Lassie let's get to Lassie then it's unfortunate that would have been a great first goal for him. End but, of a power play, too. Yeah. One thing I liked about Lassie's game is he had the courage and confidence to shoot that puck often. Like, I think a lot of young defensemen, they'll kind of defer because the last thing you want to do is uh, shoot a puck into a guy's shin pad. The, the Ovechkin thing, right? Remember, uh, who was it? Zaitsev 
fires yes. it right into Ovechkin's <laughs> shin pads. He blocks it. He's off to the races, and hmm. Gustafson gets scored on a breakaway by the greatest goal scorer of all time. Right, With a broken so stick. Yeah, with the broken stick, yeah. So, like, that's the last thing you want to do. So, it takes confidence to be able to take those shots. However, he's got to get those shots a little lower. Like, if you're taking a mm-hmm. wrist shot from the point, it can't be above the waist. You, that's no good for anyone because it's just going to hit someone in the chest. Get it below the waist, then it's a typical shot like his first goal. But others of his shots were way too high. But I like the confidence there. And Sanford gets a tip on it, and uh, that ties things up. And that's a great show of resilience that the Sens aren't just going to let this head downstream that easily. Tim Stutzla and Lassie Thompson, the only Senators with four shots on goal last night. And the tip doesn't even count as his shot on goal, which initially it had. But Zach Sanford gets a high tip on it. Great hand-eye coordination for Sanford. And all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, you got a tie game here on our hands here with seven minutes left in the first period. Now, it doesn't last long. It doesn't last long at all. And we can get into the brilliance of Kale McCarr because he, since he's been back in five games, he's got yeah. nine points and his team scored 31 goals. So the tie lasted for tw- uh, 18 seconds. And Ooh. this is just a bang, bang cross ice. I think that Gustafson has had more of these scored on him than any goalie this season. He's only played, what, in seven or eight starts? Because these cross-ice feeds, I don't know how you fix it, especially when it's a situation where you're going up against such a solid team that can move the puck fast and they're aggressive. But these these are just defensive breakdowns. You can't allow a, a 30-foot pass in the offensive zone. They're going to burn you every time. Yeah, well, here here's the thing. like The, the Ottawa Senators, they have a tough time containing – elite forwards as it is right which the Colorado Avalanche have a handful of them toss in a couple elite defensemen that are able to join the rush and they're just overwhelmed right and that's what happened there well dude don't you think it's a little much to ask Logan Shaw to be going out there in a board battle against Gabriel Landeskog like we'll get to what happened in the third period with Logan Shaw but at some point when you're putting AHL players in your lineup eventually it's going to be picked apart and that was just an obvious attempt Logan Shaw was on him for like five seconds. And Landis he didn't even lose control of the puck for a millisecond of that time. He's just going back and forth. And he's like, oh, no, I'll beat him down low. Oh, there's McCard. Nobody's covering him back door. Bing. And then back up on the board. It's uh, It was an unfortunate goal. But it's one where you really see why the Colorado Avalanche yep. are such an elite team. Like, Formanton's got to stay up on McCarr there. But yep. Logan Shaw, if he wins that board battle, it's a moot point anyways. Uh, well, and Formanton's, he's just not expecting McCarr to sneak in from all the way from the blue line, all the way down to be able to tap that impact door. But you got to check the game notes, bud, right? Like, if Kale McCarr's there, you got to be yeah. thinking, like, hey, this is a guy that can do that, and I need to be aware of him. I can't be puck-watching here. So, I... Formanton's my guy, but I really didn't like his performance there. And maybe, you know, he's come back from COVID. That's a guy who relies on his speed and his um, ability to, you know, like like burst uh, explosiveness. Is That's the word I'm looking for. So that definitely will have an effect there. So I'm going to give him a little bit of time to catch up here. But, yeah, I didn't love his game. Well, unlike the board battle that Logan Shaw lost there, at the end of the period, Brady Kachuk wins a board battle. And he throws one on net, pucks on net. You love that, especially down a goal in the final minute. And it gets a fortuitous bounce right to Zub Zub. Nation. Artem Zub, how about that shot upstairs in a beauty? 
Whew, yeah, I, we'll get to Sanford's shot that I uh, mistakenly referenced earlier, but Zub's shot might have been better like that. And the confidence to just be like, all right, I'm going to walk fully into that. And there was two players, a Colorado Avalanche player, and I think it was either Norris or Kachuk that were literally standing right in that corner. And he's Norris. And no regard for either of those guys' safety and just blasts it home. Like, what a shot. So this is a time where you don't mind it going above the waist, Pillsy. If you're putting it in that top corner of the net, go right ahead. Well, that's if you're going to blast it, blast it. Like, there's no, <laughs> like, I don't, if he misses that shot two feet high above the net, I don't care either. If that's, if you're going for power and strength, go for it. But if you're going for precision and trying to get tips on it, then that's not the play, right? Sorry, it was actually Ennis who was standing right next to it, so he wouldn't have had to miss too high. <laughs> he wouldn't have had to miss too high. Norris was right next to Zub uh, in the high slot there. So what what a great momentum goal for Ottawa after yep. giving one up at the start of the period and in the middle of one. Remember, it's the first two minutes and the two minutes after your team or the other team scores, and then the final two minutes, and that's what the Senators got. 46 seconds left in the period. Zub from Kachuk, and somehow... Some way after two periods, this or after the first period, this one's tied at two. It stayed that way throughout the first 1344 of the second period. How oh how did they keep this tied with the shot clock just only going in one direction? We'll get in the second and third period. Talk about how Philip Gustafson wore two different helmets in the game. Huh? That was strange. Darcy Kemper's skate blade came out. Should that be an automatic whistle? I'll ask Pilsy about all that, and we'll get into a whole lot more. But first, a word from our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and for good reason too, because it's the one place that has you covered. The only place that you can trust when it comes to online sports wagering. Pilsy, if people are putting in the promo code Locked On and getting that fifty percent welcome bonus, where would you put that in a parlay of your day? Well, I've been it's been a roller coaster uh, ride for my parlay. By that I mean I won once and it went up once and then it went, it's been going down for a long time, but let's try to get back in on the action here. There's only a couple games here, so I didn't have a lot to choose from, so I decided to go with Alberta. So, I'm taking the Oilers money line -107 versus the Dallas Stars, hoping McDavid and Drysdale can get it done there. Then Calgary, the goaltending has been incredible there. Like arguably the best in the league with uh, Vladar and Markstrom. So I'm thinking they can beat up on the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm taking their money line at minus 203. Oilers money line, Flames money line. Alberta wins. Let's go. Put $10 in. You're going to win 1888. And that is Pilsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. And don't forget the promo code. <clears throat> promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pilsy. So 2 2 the score after 20 minutes. And let's touch on this play that really was strange for me at the start of the second period. It's 2 2, and Darcy Kemper's skate blade comes out. Do you think that should be an automatic whistle? Because the Sens had possession of the puck. I don't think it should be an automatic whistle. I think the rule they have now is a good one. I think once um, the team of the goalie who had the equipment malfunction possesses the puck, then you can blow it down. But it's but not fair. Didn't. Isn't that what happened when Colorado no. got possession? They blew Ottawa, it down? Ottawa still had the puck in the neutral zone. Maybe it cleared the zone, 
but oh, they okay. blew that down a little early, and I thought, and we're a goalie-friendly show, but hey, if you're going to choose to wear those blades that pop out so easily, that's just a risk that's inherent. Yeah, so I I, uh, I thought that's what happened, so apparently not. So that's what I think the rule should be. Like, Colorado needs to possess the puck for not just, like, touching it like a penalty. Like, you need to actually have possession of it, and then you can blow that down. Because I agree with you. Like, you want to protect the goalies, and that puts a goalie in an unsafe position, but you've made the decision to wear those flimsy little snap-on blades. So you have to deal with the consequences of it, unfortunately. And it's not fair. What if the Sens had a two-on-one and Darcy Kemper is um, moving over to try to get that cross-ice pass and his his, uh, blade busts off and the Sens score? Well, that's got to count. It's not the Sens' fault. So I think that's something that definitely uh, I think they need to look into if that's not the current rule because that's what I thought it was. Yeah, very strange moment. At that point, there's eight minutes left in the second period. The shots are 16 nothing in the period for Colorado. It's it's a heavyweight tilt where one of them is a welterweight and the other is a heavyweight. So as that happened, Kemper, he gets the whistle, but they didn't give him a whole lot of time at the bench, and he was struggling. So the backup, Jonas yep. Johansson, comes in, Pilsy, and then he almost gets scored on. And then Colorado goes down the other way and gets a goal. So funny enough, they're saying he's on record as the winning goalie at that point because the game-winning goal was while he was in net. And on the broadcast, they made a joke saying, oh, he doesn't deserve it. And I looked. I was like, well, he's made one save this period and Kemper's made none. (laughs) And they're they're 16 minutes in. So does he? But funny enough, uh, obviously Kemper ends up going in. I think he got in with like a minute left in the period. But it was just so unfortunate because – the first shot that Ottawa had was with six minutes left in the period. And it was a good opportunity to score. But then the Avs counterattack, man, you can take us through that goal too because it is uh, just a thing of beauty. Like it, it even starts from how Burkowski picked up the puck in the neutral zone with his skate. Then he puts it b- between his legs. And then next thing you know, it's a tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Is this the Rantanen goal you're talking about? Uh, this is the Taves goal. Where the Taves he's, goal. He's coming in back door. So I'm watching it now. Burkowski, a little backhand pass right, yep. over to Kadri, who uh, just hits it back door, and Taves is just standing right there. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When you've got defensemen that can join the rush there, it's tough for this team to kind of cover all their bases here. And Taves, you got to credit him. That's a good hard play heading to the net and being able to tap that in back door. And then Kadri just continues his excellence here. Like his ability to be a good playmaker and really – um, kind of be that second line center that the Avalanche have been looking for this whole time. He's really come into his own, and uh, there's lots of talks about maybe other teams acquiring Kadri. I don't see the Avalanche trading him if they can get him under a contract they like. He's going to get paid. His yep. stats are absolutely mind boggling in the past two weeks, basically since McKinnon went out, and he was elevated to a first line center. Forget second yep. line center, Pilsy. But speaking of players that were producing, now you can tell us about yeah. that Sanford snipe to make it 3-3. Because again, like at this point, and I keep going back to it, but it cannot be overstated. At this point, the shots were 17-2 to two in the period for Colorado. But the score still won nothing. Yeah. And all it takes is one bounce and a rush the other way. Yeah, like when we were, uh, I forgot to mention it before the game, but when we were looking at the lines, I didn't like seeing Sanford down on the fourth line. I would have liked... If I would have made the lines, I would have put Sanford back on that top line. I thought he played great with Norris and Gachuk before. Move Stutzla down to a second or third line role. 
unfortunately, bring Formy down to a fourth line role. I didn't love how he played, and maybe he needed a little more time to get adjusted. And I thought that would have balanced things out because Sanford has really, really been looking good lately. And that was an excellent play because the Colorado Avalanche were transitioning the puck up ice, and he steals the puck from Kale McCarr as he's skating through the neutral zone. And then he's created a two-on-one. He looks for the pass sees that the defenseman has the pass covered, and then without much hesitation, quickly makes an executive decision. All right, the pass isn't happening. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm looking shot, top cheese, boom. And what an amazing shot to be able to beat Darcy Kemper like that just off the rush. Like that's the kind of thing the Sens need more of. They need the guys that can just create a quick goal off the rush like that. And Sanford does it with an accurate, precise shot. Let's rewind it a little bit more, though. The play that Tyler Ennis made along the boards, and it was one of those weird plays where their teams are in the middle of a change, so there's chaos going on around it. But he angles his body to get possession of the puck and then uses one hand on his stick to pull it free into an area where Sanford can get it. So credit to Tyler Ennis, man. How many games has this guy played where he plays under 10 minutes but still produces a point one way or another. And that was Tyler Ennis again last night. So it's either a situation where he thrives in those moments or maybe coach should be using him a little bit more. Uh, You could say he would have been over 10 minutes, probably right around 10 minutes had he not taken that double minor minor in the third period. Kind of a greasy hit there, eh? Yeah, but... And this is what I think, uh, maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit, but while we're on it, I think this is what DJ was saying to the ref. You saw them have a conversation after. Yeah. That was a elbow or a hit to the head, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it for sure. That's a penalty. But why the hell does Ennis get another roughing penalty <laughs> yeah. attached onto that? Um, he got jumped. He got jumped. And literally, he's just trying to hold his hands up defending himself. And he gets tossed down uh, WWE style right yeah. to the ice. Like, that is such crap that he gets a roughing penalty there. Like, I hated that call. Yeah, that is absolutely brutal and tough yeah. to see too because he was just kind of looking at O'Connor like, oh, like, oops, my bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but next thing you know, I mean, if, if I'm the guy who got that elbow, I probably would have been pretty upset as well. Uh, I wouldn't be oh, upset definitely. if I'm a Sens fan, though, going into the third period of this game, tied 3-3, right? You're thinking, wow, hang on. Just hang on. Operation, keep it close. And that operation turned into let's take a lead here. Early on in the third period, 30 seconds left in the power play that started at the end of the second period. So it's just as as classic of a Josh Norris goal as you're going to get. Knee down, rebound, and it's in the back of the net. And he's in the spot there, right? And that's exactly where you want Josh Norris to be. He's aware of the play that's happening. Good on Tim Stutzla using his shot to get the puck to the net. There's a rebound. Everyone's scrambling. And... Josh Norris doesn't waste any time. He just bangs that in. And that's a great play. And you love to see Josh. Like, Josh Norris needs to make that play 10 out of 10 times. So, like, congrats for making that play. But you just got to do your job there. So, that's all. Yeah, you really do. But credit Josh Norris, man. This guy is automatic on the power play. And at that point, you're thinking, oh, man. Can they steal? Oh, can, can, can they steal this game? Like, do they have it in them? To steal this game. And then a minute and 30 seconds later, (laughs) Dale McCarr says, probably not. And he ties it back up again. This one, his skating is unbelievable to watch. He might be my favorite skater to watch. Just the poise and the edges, everything about it. And he was dancing at the offensive blue line before that wrister. Yeah, that I mean, 
And I think it's, if I remember correctly, I think the fourth line was out for that one. I think it was Austin yeah. Watson and the and the guys trying to block that. Wait, is this no breaking way. news or what are you reacting to here? I'm, no, I'm just shocked that the fourth line was out for oh, okay. events because it's not, it's not the last one they were out there. Although we do yeah. have to discuss, and this is kind of the, the Logan Shaw experience here uh, in this game. And not to say he hasn't had a good year, Pilsy, but yeah. like that puck, has to get out of the zone. There's just there's just no two ways about it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you can chalk this game, this loss up really to a couple, just a few defensive breakdowns. Like other than that, they were able to contain the Avalanche to a point where they're still in the game score wise. So if those breakdowns don't happen, you're looking at a different game here. So that was tough. But also, sorry, the, it's this one wasn't the play where he has to get it out. Actually, I, as I rewatch it now, like it's not great by him. That's his man top. Um, at the top of the the blue line and Watson, like that's tough on Watson. Too. Watson's lost there, if he, I'm remembering gives, the correct goal. He yeah. gives so much space to Kale McCarr. You just simply cannot. Uh, so apologies, Logan, but we'll get to you. It's tough to keep these goals in order, eh? I, I'm all goals, jumbled man. as well. <laughs> yeah, I've got exactly. the condensed game going, and while we're talking about a goal, I'm pulling it up and, and watching it in real time. So, nice. it, man, when there's this many goals, especially like, this is the same coverage of, of the team that lost 2 nothing last week, 4 nothing last week, 13 goals. We got to keep this in, in line. And Pilsy, how many times Laleem's Marsh, and obviously a great friend of the show, he pulled this out on Twitter. Like, how many times does a team score five goals in a game and get a hat trick from a player and still lose? And Ottawa's done that twice in 16 games right now. But at this point, at this point in the game, you're just like, okay. Kale, you're, you're going to get your goals. It's still tied. It's still 4-4. And Ottawa still has a chance here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they still had a chance there. So so that's after the Kale McCarr goal. Now, this Sanford goal, I, I'm very excited to talk about because it's, <laughs> it, it's an interesting one here. Funniest goal of the year. Because... I applaud this goal and I'm enraged by it at the very same at all at the same time because this is a hockey IQ play where the precision we talked about about Sanford's shot earlier comes into play once again. So it's behind the net. Sanford is deciding, do I go to the left side of the net, to the right side? Let's see if I can get Kemper moving here. He gets Kemper moving. Kemper falls over, is completely on his back. Basically, I, I said beached whale a couple episodes ago, episodes ago. Not a beached whale here, but like a turtle flipped over on its shell, right? Like you're just stuck there and there's not much you can do here, right? So he's a turtle flipped on his shell and Sanford notices him down. And instead of trying to make a wrap round or trying to pass that puck out to the slot, he says, hey, why don't I just bank it off his head and in? And that's what he does. He takes a split second, calibrates, focuses on his head, boom, hits it, knocks it off the head and in. And when I saw that, I was like, that's 100% the right play. That's what you got to do. Great goal, Sanford. And then the goalie in me was like, you prick. Like, I'm down and out. I'm trying to get back into position here. And you fire a wrist shot. And you have to fire it pretty hard to get that accuracy and the bounce you want. So, like, that would that would ring uh, ring your ears a little if that hits you in the, in the dome. And then on top of that embarrassment of getting it hit off the head, it goes in and you're sitting there still on your shell like a turtle. So that's a tough one for Kemper, but applaud to Zach Sanford for making the play and applaud to Zach Sanford for getting his second career hat trick. It only took without the, knowing it. It only took the broadcast an hour and a half to figure it out too. All right. Separated at birth. If you're watching on YouTube, Darcy Kemper on the five, four goal. <laughs> 
and pills yeah, there. that's what it's like you're stuck like what are you gonna do there <laughs> that is too funny um i thought it was the right play and, and a great heads up play pardon the pun by yeah. zach sanford because if you're darcy kemper that's on you buddy you got your fresh skate blades in there stay on your feet no need yeah. to be sitting on your behind in the crease when the puck's behind the net as all goalie coaches will tell you you can't score from there well unless you make it easy to bank it off of you as we got some good snooker players around the nhl and that was just a he did not take anything off his shot i promise you that too he put absolutely yeah. everything on that one hey like, that would have hurt that would have hurt sanford's feeling it and yeah. you got to appreciate that about him i really like his game so at that point ottawa's up 5-4 with 15 minutes left in the game yeah 15 minutes left oh one thing and we got to hit a hit a quick ad here and then we'll get in to the finale of it we also have to touch on a sends abroad who had a great accomplishment and we'll touch on what's next for the Ottawa senators. But did you notice that Gus wore two different helmets in last night's game? I wonder what that was all about. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not very observant that way. I did not notice until the fan on Twitter pointed it out, but that is uh that's a very interesting move. And I would love to hear why that happened. Yeah. So would I anyways, just a note and shout out to at JWJ Taylor 18 for pointing that out and tagging us. Of course, we're a goalie-friendly show. We're always going to hit on when the tendies do something weird. Tendies aren't <laughs> weird, but sometimes maybe they do the weird thing or two. Uh, you know what isn't weird is checking out BuiltBar.com, especially when you're doing your workout routine. I'm trying to lose a few LBs, and the way I'm going about it is exercise and Built Bar, the most dominant duo. It's like Hosa and Radic Bonk in their prime. <laughs> exercise can be... Hosa, and then you got to build bulk up like a, a nice power forward right in the middle, and that's with Built Bar. So go to builtbar.com right now and see all the great products available to you because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast. You, yes, you are entitled to a 15% off your next order. Just use promo code LOCKED15. I recommend getting the mixed box because there are so many great flavors of the best protein bar on the market. Go see for yourself right now. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pills, you're getting right back into it, and I paused there dramatically because the Sens were up 5-4 to four with five minutes left. How, oh, how did they let this one slip away? Well, at that point, and do I have my score correct here? That's when the Miko Rantanen goal happens, right? Yep, and this is where, I mean, we've been teasing, and unfortunately we've been hard on him, and we should mention Logan Shaw, his break-in created that Zach Sanford goal. He had a little chip and chase. And, there you go. And had some space, but then on the PK here. Now, credit to Colorado, one of the best power plays in the league, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yep. But it's a wobbling puck going into the middle of the ice, Kadri and Zub were kind of battling for it. It squirts out into open ice, and all Logan Shaw has to do is take a backhand swipe, get that thing out of the zone. There's 13 seconds left in the power play. He gets that to the opponent's blue line, and so, the power play's over. You yeah. regroup, you get off the ice, and you allow the next group to go out there and defend the lead. Instead, he tries to put it backwards. He tries to put it towards his own goalie, and it goes off a skate, 
into neutral or into the middle of the ice, and then Rantanen and Burakovsky just go uh, give and go, and Rantanen's going to score that 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, you're not going to stop Rantanen in that position, especially on the power play. And uh, I feel like if, if we were quicker on that, that's the perfect uh, verbal meme time for the LeBron James, like, that way like what yeah. are you doing yeah 100 like, that's, ex- that's exactly what that is and similar situation uh intense game and you're going the wrong way there but uh oh my god he just takes a swing and a miss at it it's yeah un- you can't you can't do that and, and that's those are the things i was talking about right like you need to simplify your game like in no point in your mind should you be like uh we have the skill and talent that on a pk up against uh the best power arguably one of the best power plays in the league let's try to send it backwards here corral the puck and then clear it no just get, your first thought needs to be cleared. No, I don't care how you do it. Just get it out of there. Yeah, and at, at the same token, Formanton leaves the zone a little early because he thinks that Shaw is going to clear gonna it. Clear it, yeah. And then Rantanen's his guy, and he yeah. just leaves him wide open. So at that point, it's still tied. Still a chance to win, even though at that point the live odds were at minus one sixty in a tie game with a minute left in terms of the Avalanche uh, going up here, and there was a five hole goal, and again. Like, did you think that Gus had really a chance on any of these? Almost none of them. Like, I can't. I, like, none of them. I was like, "Come on, Gus!" Like, I know. Yeah. So, but I, I feel, I'm feeling bad, bad for Gus at this I point. Know. Like, holy crap! He feels like he's keeping his team in this. Like, sure, the goals he lets in five goals, but they're not really his fault. Similar to the Washington game, and then they can't pull out the win at the end. That's tough. Yeah, and they were going back and forth once it was tied 5-5. Like, I, I was enjoying watching the game. It was, it was entertaining yeah. for sure. And then with under two minutes left, it's just a little chip into the zone. And Mete, I don't know what this guy was doing here. He just coughs it up. He couldn't control the puck at all. It just on his stick, off his stick, behind the net. And you just can't turn it over. And that being said, and Lassie did have overall a very good game. Lassie has to go to the front of the net there. He can't chase. It was almost like the whole play was flowing left to right, and everyone was just kind of puck watching and following the puck. And because of that, once it was turned over, the Avalanche player had a quicker way to get to the back door, and that was Alex Newhook, or a good Newfoundlander. And yep. Hey, that being said, man, he gets control of it. He goes skate to stick, and it's in the back of the net just like that. And the Avalanche take their – First lead since what? The second period? Because Ottawa had two separate yeah. leads in the third, and they take that with a minute 45, and there was and no it. real chances after that, right? They just kind of shut it down. It was game over from there. Yeah, exactly. And the thing, too, like with Lassie Thompson at that point, like he's played a bunch of hard minutes, so there's some fatigue setting in there, and um, the decision-making at the end of the game might be a little tough. So. I'm not willing to put that on Lassie and I'm not going to put it on Gus either. That's just like, this is just a case of like, finally the dam is breaking here. Like yeah. the Sens are like putting duct tape on a couple holes, you know, trying to put makeshift logs up and then eventually it's just not going to work and they're going to break through. And that's what happens. So yeah. Well, when Mete missed that, that slot, that uh, one touch in the defensive zone behind the net, it goes out and this is a great play from O'Connor. Uh, he just puts a puck on net. Gus makes the save, and that's where I was saying Newhook gets the step in on both Josh Norris, who's defending him as the centerman, and Lassie, where he should be. He kind of went out to block the shot, whereas I think he should have stayed a little closer to the front of the net, being able to clear out any rebounds, especially Gus has been making the first save more or less all night. Yeah. So 
I think you just kind of let Gus make the save from that hash mark and away you go. But then that's the game winner. And then Nazem Kadri buries the empty netter to add insult to injury and to really allow everyone who had Colorado puck line a deep sigh of relief. That was me, not going to lie. Uh, I did have Colorado puck line, but uh, yeah, that's um, that's a thing, right? And I don't know I don't know about you, Ross, but lately Mete hasn't done like... He's in Josh Brown territory for me, that, honestly. Yeah, like he's like, he's a neutral guy, even maybe even more negative than positive because there's just like, last year we applauded his skating. We applauded his ability to make a good first pass, transition the puck up the ice, but he's not doing that this year. And like, just the defensive coverage is just not there. And like, basically now I'm confident in saying Brandstrom should be the small forward or uh, small defenseman getting those opportunities over Mete now, because I've kind of seen all there is to see about Mete and he doesn't really, he doesn't move the needle too far one way or another for me here. Yeah. I think once number 26 at North Dakota comes up, that might be all Colton Sanderson. (laughs) Okay. Can we touch on that just quickly? So it's a seven, five loss. Ottawa is now 4-11-1 on the 32nd season. 32nd out of 32nd. Yes. However, games in hand. Games in hand. We we can still hold on to that point percentage. Sure. They're still above the Arizona Coyotes. The rebuild is not over. At it's least we point. hope not. And Nazem Kadri gets that empty net. Our Pilsy in his last nine games is 19 points. Yeah, that's good. That's 19 good. points. He had a goal and three assists against the Ottawa Senators. Send Central standouts quickly. Artem Zub for me, 25-14. He got that great goal. A couple of giveaways that I didn't love, but he uh, played over five minutes shorthanded as well. So did Mete. I don't know why they're leaning on Mete as like their number one PK guy. I guess that's a question. Well, they, they don't have many other options, right? They could ask There's the only coach. five D at that point. Yeah. and Well, three of them played under a minute on the PK, including Josh Brown played half his minutes on the penalty kill in, in that game. But Shabbat didn't play a single second on the PK, and he still managed to play 32 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll give uh, an extra shout-out to Thomas Shabbat. No giveaways, three takeaways, and four hits for Shabby. But at some point, man, you got to just get a little offense from him too, right? Like, yeah, we can say he's been playing his best hockey and he's looking good defensively, but you got to get on the scoreboard. And then uh, offensively, I thought Brady had a great game. Two shots, three hits, and uh, he created – two goals just with his body positioning and separating loose pucks. So I can't give it to Gus. Like he played well. Yeah. But you can't let in six goals. I I know it's so much on the defense, but like we've done it before where he's a standout and they let in six goals. Like it can't happen. And you look at like the senator's goaltending. It's a, it's so much more than just the goaltending though. So I can, I have a lot of trouble blaming them for it. But when you go to the stats page and all of their goals against average are above three, yeah, that's that's bad. You can't have that. Like something has to change. And Pierre Dorian, you can't just change seventh round pick for a fourth line center and be like, all right. And yeah, sure, say what you want. This COVID pause, but this this roster was flawed well before that. Oh yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I'm with you. Like, I'm not blaming Gus for this, but I'm also not going to give him a standout here. That's yeah. okay. Uh, my standout goes to Zach Sanford. I mean, Hattrick, I talked about how much I liked his goals. I thought he should be getting a bigger role up on that top line. I th- thought he played well there. And then my other one will be Lassie. He's put in another difficult situation once again. He's got to go up against Ranton and Landis, Kadri, all these guys. And I thought other than the play at the end, he did well. So those are my two guys. 
Yeah, I like that. So 7-5 loss, Ottawa back in action on Wednesday in San Jose, where they'll begin their leg through California. Three games in four nights. Before we go, Billsy, we got to give a little shout-out to a former Sens yeah, captain. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the perfect tie-in. Eric yeah. Carlson, if you're watching on YouTube, I got his jersey in the frame today. and That'll be a rotating frame. We're going to try to get a few different ones here. And well, uh, you have 30 jerseys to pick from, so we can keep it interesting. <laughs> Soon it'll be on the wall as well once my bookshelf gets in. You guys will see the transition from boxes to bookshelf. But, Billsy, 800 NHL games, and he's done it. The hard way, but the right way as well. Like this guy has just been a, a consummate professional, and it's too bad he's no longer in Ottawa. But we do have to recognize when you have a, a, a milestone like that, just like we did with Boro as well. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Carlson, 800 games, and uh, it's great. We're going to see him next game up against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, always a nice kind of welcoming moment and uh, to get to watch Carl even if he's on another team is always kind of a blast of the past nostalgia for Sens fans only nine defensemen in NHL history have more than his 633 points through 100 games sorry since 1985 but I don't know like before that who were the defensemen other than Bobby Orr no idea maybe Larry (laughs) Robinson would probably be in here but that being said I, I didn't see they put that in such small font shout out NHL PR uh, really bending this stat a little bit. It's still super impressive. The names in front of them, Paul Coffey, Ray Bork, Al McInnes, Phil Housley, Brian Leach, Gary Suter, Mark Howe, Doug Wilson, and Larry Murphy. So that's a pretty elite company for EK65. So we'll leave you with that tonight. And it's a perfect segue into tomorrow's show when we're going to look at the San Jose Sharks, the Ottawa Senators, maybe go into their history a little bit. As we already dissected the trade that was, so we won't get deep into that again. But what can Ottawa do here to get back on the right step? I'm going to ask Pilsy that tomorrow, but for today we say goodbye. A reminder, you can follow the show on YouTube. Subscribe there. Please give it a little thumbs up. It does go a long way. You can follow us on Twitter at SendCentral, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. Our personal handles are right there. It's our first name, last name. And Pilsy's got the number one there, classic, tendy stuff. But for Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.